Hello and welcome to the PropTech Hot Seat on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we explore trends and technologies driving innovation across the built environment. This show is brought to you in partnership with PropTech Ireland, the hub for innovators, investors and indeed for industry leaders. In the PropTech Hot Seat today is a returning guest, although it has been a while, Patrick Liddy from Utility AR. Patrick, you're very welcome. It's good to see you again. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. Um, Patrick, I think most people who have an interest in the PropTech side and particularly in immersive technologies will be familiar with Utility AR. But just, I suppose, for the for the broader uh, context, you might just explain the work that you guys do. Sure. Uh, so Utility AR is a company whose goal is to create digital tools to help workers who work with their hands to get their job done. So if you are an office worker, you're probably sitting in front of a computer with a suite of tools, uh, Microsoft Teams, um, Outlook, uh, Excel. These are all fantastic tools that allow us as office workers to get our job done every day. And sometimes they make it harder, but generally the idea is to make it easier. Um, What we're trying to do is to build appropriate tools to help uh, digitize, as they would say, or or help uh, workers who are out in the field, be it on a building site, be it maintaining an existing building, be it manufacturing um, uh, in, in a factory. We want to give them the right tools to help them get their job done. And what that means is giving them just the right information that they need so they don't have to search through a raft of information and just the right tidbit of information uh, in front of their eyes and giving it to them on a platform that is convenient for them to do so so that they don't need uh, keyboards and and, and complicated things like that. Very good. Um, Patrick, what sectors are you working across at the moment? Sure. So we work with utilities. So like um, the uh, ESBs and board goshes of the world. we work with uh, manufacturing industry. So we work with um, pharmaceuticals and, and um, uh, cement manufacturers and things like that. And then we work with, um, uh, in, in the property industry, we work with companies who have uh, surveying tasks to do, who have uh, construction tasks to do, who have maintenance tasks to do around the property industry. Um, you talk about creating digital tools for people who work with their hands. When you talk about a, creating a platform where the information is before their eyes, and I like what you say about not overloading the information, because we know that at the moment we're kind of very data heavy, um, you know, and, and so creating more information isn't necessarily the answer. In fact, selecting and shifting through information so the right information appears is what's really valuable at the moment. But when you talk about presenting that in a platform before their eyes, like what, what does that look like? What do you mean? Sure. So traditionally, um, in the digital world, the way we think about how you provide information to someone is you create a PDF, which is 100 pages long, which describes every scenario that that worker might encounter um, in, uh, um, in doing a task. If you streamline that right down, um, you could think of the IKEA assembly uh, document, which only gives you the information. Uh, It really uh, simplifies it down. There's no language on an IKEA document. It's all images and pictures that show you how to do the thing. But nevertheless, it still uh, causes people a lot of trouble. It's 25 steps long. 
they generally um, read the steps and then go and do the task. And I, for one, have done them in the wrong order. I'm sure everyone has. And in a work setting, uh, as as frustrating uh, with the IKEA document, the worst that will happen to me is my wife will be annoyed with me for a little while. Uh, in a work setting, uh, that's a matter of quality control. That's a quality of safety or a matter of safety, um, life and death. It's very important that things get done correctly. So um, what we're trying to do is allow workers um, to have access to the next step they need to do. That should be give, given to them in a, in a way that is minimally invasive. So it's either hands-free they have access to that information um, or, or very convenient to them. And then um, once they've completed that task, so uh, step four, we'll call it, then step five uh, becomes available to them and they can go on and do that. And that should be at the point that they're doing the work, not at their desk, when, uh, which they had a look at before uh, they went to do the work. So that's what we're trying to do is try and create the, the tool that gives the worker access to the information in a just-in-time fashion. And hands-free. So you might just talk us through the technology side of it. Sure. So... Um, a large proportion of the technology we develop is for what are called augmented reality or smart glasses. So what that means is think of uh, a piece of headgear that you um, wear. I suppose the most important thing is it allows, it, it is completely transparent and clear like safety glasses. So the worker is seeing the real world as it really is. OK, he's not looking at a video of the real world in real time. He's looking at the real the world um, as he is, as it is. And uh, the second uh, and then information can be projected in front of that worker. So he or she can see um, either an image or a video or a piece of text that will be floating in the air in front of them, or in some cases with smart glasses on a small little computer screen that's just in the corner of their eye that shows them what to do next in the task that they need to do. And then I suppose the other nifty thing that smart glasses have is they have a forward-facing camera. So that can mean they can recognize what the worker is looking at and show that worker the relevant information um, at that moment in time. So what I mean by that is, let's say I asked you to go and maintain boiler three in a particular uh, building. Now, the problem is all the boilers are identical. Um, it's very common that people will um, make a mistake and look at uh, work on the wrong one. What we can do is have the headset scan a QR code or a barcode on that boiler and confirm to the worker they're on the right one. And this is the task that they need to do on this particular one. Or if they were doing a survey, you can make sure that they're going to cover all of the assets in that building by using getting them to scan the QR code or the barcode um, that are on those assets. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then I suppose on top of that, when you have, a, sorry, I should say, so that's the primary um, focal point for us is is augmented reality and smart glasses and these these hands-free tools because the where the, the the worker is wearing it on their head but still has access to all this information um we also build uh similar tools 
for tablets and phones as well, because some tasks are just more appropriate for that. And workers are more uh, comfortable with using their phone in some cases. Yeah. And uh, in terms of integrating then with existing technologies and, and other um, technologies that people might be using on or off site. Sure. So um, I suppose the work that we do is all about delivery. It's about providing the the interface for the worker when they are actually doing the task. Other people are creating really cool tools. We'll call them database systems, which store information um, uh, for you. So you might have a quality management system. You might have a construction management system. Uh, you might have uh, whatever sort of database solution, we uh, a training uh, management solution, for example. We don't interfere with that. Rather, we are subservient to that. We send information to it and we receive information from it. So uh, we're not in the business of introducing a new database system to your business. You have enough of those. Um, and they do a great job at what they do, or hopefully they do a great job at what they do. Uh, they do. Um, rather, we're just the interface at the point of work. Very good. And looking at the built environment use cases, who in Ireland is using this technology and how are they using it? Sure. So I suppose the first actors have been uh, the maintenance sector. So this is where, <coughs> excuse me, uh, people want equipment to be serviced and maintained uh, on a, um, a similar quality, no matter what worker takes on the task. So what you want for that is you want a series of steps that that worker is going to follow. Uh, and our tool allows you to transfer those steps from worker to worker in a way that the worker will feel they should naturally follow. So they're going to have access to the procedures, be it on a smart glasses or on their phone, um, uh, that they can follow step by step at the point of work. When they're actually doing the task, they're going to be able to um, follow this procedure. Um, and I suppose along with that, people are interested in the idea of getting the worker to take photos or videos as they do their tasks. And that information automatically being uploaded, time stamped uh, as to when and where that work was done um, so that they can demonstrate to other stakeholders that the work was done correctly. So if you are tasked with maintaining the generators in a particular building, you want to make sure that the owner of that building can see that you did the task and you left the uh, the plant room clean and uh, as it should be. Um, and this is a good way of proving it. Um, increasingly, we're getting queries from companies who are doing survey work. So that could be, for example, an OPW um, building um, uh, management uh, uh, surveyor whose job it is to make sure that their huge fleet of um, buildings is at a certain quality. And we build tools for them, which allows the worker to um, gather information. So if your starting point is a blank page, a refill pad, and you're walking around the building and saying the window in room 4.3 is um, cracked and the um, plaster work in... Uh, such and such a room is, is damaged and writing that into your refill pad and then going home and creating a report on that. We try and 
automate that process so that the worker walks into a room, they observe something, and if they want to classify specifically where in the building uh, they are, when they do that, they can. But all that information is going to be fed back so that they have the bones of the report already written when they get to their desk. And now the final thing that we're getting uh, a lot of interest in, um, and this is a new tool which we'll be launching um, hopefully before Christmas, is a tool around the creation and handover of procedures. So when you hand over a building, be it within your organization because you have new staff joining or you um, are finished your contract and you need to uh, hand it over to the, the next user of that building, um, the ability to create procedures on how does the boiler work, how does the generator work, um, how do the um, light fittings um, get maintained. We allow you to use a phone to take short videos uh, showing each step in the procedure and they automatically populating a procedure for the next user to follow. And that's very uh, exciting and interesting to a lot of um, organizations who are doing a lot of this type of work. And um, the the tools, the range of tools are huge, but I'm very conscious, just especially working with uh, um, startups and innovators over the years. One of the one of the innovator dilemmas is when you're doing something so new, not only has it not been done before, uh, you need to make the business case for it. Um, but there can be budgetary problems Um, people who may wish to procure uh, who may wish to procure it. There's no mechanism internally for them to do that. So how do you work with new clients? Sure. So that's a very, very fair problem. OK, um, sometimes uh, in, in innovation, people sometimes ask, who is your competition um, and what are you competing against at the customer at the customer point? And the truth is all innovation is it is in competition with all other innovation. So our competition is environmental concerns. Our competition is um, the facilitation of um, the disabled. Our competition is um, uh, every type of thing that that project manager or management team might have on their plate on that particular day. Because what we are demanding, uh, far more than we're demanding money, because it's not that expensive, is um, headspace, okay? So any of your listeners who are involved in projects know that they should be looking at what I'm talking about. They know they should be looking at 15 other innovations which um, are important. They, they're thinking to themselves, how can I facilitate AI in my business right now? Because it's the buzz at the moment. And a few months ago, they were thinking, how can they facilitate blockchain? Um, so... <clears throat> It is challenging, okay? Um, and I suppose what we need to do as a, an organization in our particular space is to put our best foot forward and demonstrate that our technologies are low demand from the point of view of headspace and high instant return. So that if you can invest three days in integrating our technology, the next week you're going to get those three days back because we'll have made your life easier.
Um, in terms of a commercial case, have you done any case studies to talk about, you know, can you quantify things like uh, saved labour hours? Sure. So uh, a part of our technology that I haven't gone into is um, included in uh, all of our software is uh, what's called remote assistance. So this is a video calling tool that is specifically designed for helping uh, a worker solve a problem by calling on their colleagues and showing them what's wrong. So in the smart glasses or augmented reality glasses case, it's really relevant, whereby you put on a pair of glasses, you do a video call with colleagues in one or all parts of the world, uh, and they join the call, and um, you can show them the problem, you can discuss it, they can mark up your video screen and describe to you what you need to do uh, to solve the problem. And in that case, that type of solution means that a problem can be solved um, on the first visit. Um, or in some cases, it could be that existing staff on the site can solve a problem which they were not going to be able to do. Um, so no visit is required. So in that way, you're saving um, days, okay? Um, because it could be that you don't need to get the guy to come from Germany and he was only going to be able to come next week because his child has a, a whatever it is. And um, it means that you get up and running literally days sooner than you, you would have. Uh, and that's in a single use case. Uh, with regards to following procedures, well, a lot of where people are interested is these days we're increasingly working uh, internationally. I mean, from the point of view of language, a lot of our workers don't necessarily speak English or, or it's not their first language. And by creating tools which play videos to describe to them how to get things done, well, first of all, you're training them up quicker. Secondly, <coughs> they're going to get the job done 20% quicker or something like that. Uh, and then most excitingly, the quality of the work that they're going to do is going to be to a higher standard because you've better described to them what it is that you need from them. And um, when you add all those things up, the truth is every business is going to be different. What the, the you know, the benefits that they're going to feel from are, but they're very, very significant. Um, it's it's interesting, you know, to to see where time can be shaped because one of the differences we've seen between, say, prop tech adoption across real estate and construction technology adoption across the the uh, maybe AEC sectors, you know, where where we see the difference is that construction being such a low margin, um, is such a low margin business that actually, if you can show a return on investment, they are more likely to use it. They're more likely to embrace innovation. So actually, um, but they're they're not like no no sector is willing to get it wrong. But um, you know, the, so the risk of failure really needs to be narrowed down, which can be difficult for innovation because part of innovation is iteration. We don't call it failure, but it, it is iteration, and part of that comes from the user experience on the ground. So. What has been the experience of workers on the ground who have gone from, again, just working with their hands to suddenly trying to work with, um, say, smart glasses or any of the other digital tools? What has been the experience on the ground like? What what insights can you share? Hmm. So <clears throat> the introduction of any technology um, is time consuming. OK, 
um, uh, the classic image of a construction site in uh, Ireland is a crane, okay? And now it would be unthinkable to do a major project without one or multiple cranes. However, for the first places to introduce cranes, um, uh, it was, it demanded management buy-in. It demanded senior people to accept that there would be a learning curve here and this is what it takes to um, introduce this technology. But by gosh, has it made a positive uh, difference on the projects that they now do. So the type of technology that we have, and indeed all innovative uh, technologies, have an element of that. Because the workers on the building sites or the construction sites you're talking about, they're very skilled individuals. They know exactly what they're doing. And to be honest, they've done it this way for decades mm. in many cases. So. To introduce a new technology, um, management senior individuals have to sort of enforce that. And the reason they have to enforce it to some degree is they're going to be the major beneficiaries, even more than the employees or the workers who are going to be doing the tasks. OK, um, so the crane has predominantly benefited the whole the project as a whole, not the individual workers um, who are operating the crane. So I suppose what I'm trying to get at is to introduce this innovation, and I'll bet you every innovation that you can think of, it comes back to the management, to the senior people buying in and understanding what they're getting themselves in for and what they're asking of the workers. Um, like ultimately workers, I think, are in favor of what we're offering. But that said, they can't facilitate it, allowing them any headspace themselves. They're under pressure to get their jobs done. Um, so it's hard to ask them to be the sponsor of this. Yeah. Uh, it has to be management who does it. Yeah, no, I, and that's absolutely fair enough. I suppose I'm always curious about the experience of the people on the ground, but also the potential of the people on the ground to contribute feedback that can not just um, reshape the product or the offering, but also maybe feed into the pipeline of innovation for the for the innovators. And like an example of that was maybe last year or or maybe 18 months ago, I remember um interviewing uh some of the team from John Paul Construction after they started using augmented reality for safety on site. And one of the most interesting parts about that to me was that when the workers on the ground who had never experienced augmented reality or any sort of immersive technologies in a work environment before not only how quickly they got up to speed, like literally within a shift, um, they got up to speed on the technology. But within weeks, they were suggesting alternative uses for the technology outside of safety on site. And that's really exciting to me because as an innovator, most innovators don't sit down with the innovation. They sit down with the problem or immerse themselves in the problem. And so they shape the tool around the problem, whereas users on the ground experience the solution and they think of other use cases for the solution and that can really shape the pipeline of innovation for the product innovator have you had anything along the lines of that kind of experience so we have and actually what you just described scares me it scares me carl <laughs> um so the challenge that i face uh or, or we as an organization face when we visit a customer 
and we show them the technology and the general response is, wow, that's awesome. Okay. I would say I have a 98% hit rate over the five years of doing this of customers are going, wow, that's awesome. And everyone agrees they're going to use it. Now, the challenge then is to understand how they're going to start. So imagine if I was to go to a company of any sort in Ireland and say to them, um, computers, you've never seen them before. How would you use this in your organization? I mean, that's a huge question because um, we all use computers in so many ways in our organizations now, okay, um, to choose one. And this is a similar scenario because basically you're going to these workers who don't have digital tools and you're saying to them, how are you going to use computers? It's the equivalent question, you know? So <clears throat> what happened at the beginning of computers was people said accounts. Accounts really need access to uh, computers because they've got to tot up all these numbers and it's very complicated, okay? So they started with the first use case. But nowadays, very few people, when they go, who needs computers in their companies? They very rarely start with accounts as being the, you know, the, the alpha and omega, but they were at the beginning. So to introduce a technology to your company, um, in a way, we actually prefer that the lead be the people who put their hands up, not the people who need it most, because they have to be the at the vanguard. Everyone needs computers. Everyone needs computers. Um, so why would you limit it to any specific organization? On the other hand, someone needs to uh, be the sponsor of this technology, get everyone bought in. And very quickly, as you said, once uh, it is a success in one part of the organization, the other parts are going to say, can I have some too? Yeah, and that's something we welcome. And, um, you know, I, I, I really like how you articulated that all innovation, irrespective of how disruptive it is and, and what it's setting out to achieve is competing with the other types of innovation. And I think that's a really interesting progression. And it's something that I like to touch on on almost all of our shows. And the reason is that, um, you know, five years ago, when we were talking about new technologies and showcasing new technologies to the construction industry, in a way it was seen as if we need this, we must have bought our last technology wrong. There wasn't an understanding about the technology stack that um, a, a contemporary construction company needs for both on and off site. And in fact, only in recent weeks, um, I, I interviewed Rob Fox from Supplio. And again, he articulated this very well. And, and you touched on it there when you talk about um, lots of innovations are needed. And so it might seem that they're competing in terms of budget. So actually what we need buyers of technology within contemporary construction companies to do is almost to understand and plan and articulate their tech stack and see how things integrate together that actually it's not a case of different technologies competing it's about actually designing the stack that will increase the efficiencies for your particular type of construction or delivery so whether it's uh, using more traditional methods or you're relying more on offsite and other MMC, you know, in depending on your style of delivery. Um, but the potential is huge. But I suppose it's really important that we that we make this point so that people understand this there is not one type of technology and it's not even eight types of technology. In fact, I think uh, Rob estimated that it's probably closer to 
you know, 12 types of technologies, uh, you know, I, I might have put it at six. So there's a technology stack that is right for your company and it will take a while for that to evolve. But actually, that should shape the strategy and the buying um, for innovation. But again, it does come back to innovators being able to show that return on investment. And I think that's that's the really key thing at the moment, particularly if you're trying to sell into the to the built environment. Um, so, Patrick, I'm very conscious of your time here. And, and um, it was exciting just to hear about the progression. What can we look forward to in terms of the pipeline of innovation? What can we expect to see um, from Utility AR in 2024? Sure. So, uh, I mean, I think it's timely that we're speaking, Carl, in that I think our two big outputs um, over the next quarter or so are relevant in the property sector. Um, so one is around um, surveying. So this will be a tool, as I say, that will run on your phone predominantly, uh, but also on smart glasses. And it will allow a worker to... Um, I suppose rather than so so just to step back a second, we're not modeling this on a pre-planned audit. Rather, we we we've got feedback from auditors that they are or surveyors that they're skilled workers. They know what they're doing. And their preferred tool at the moment is paper because it gives them maximum fl flexibility to scribble stuff down as they see it. Okay. So we're creating a digital tool that does the same thing. It basically allows a worker to walk through a building, a surveyor to walk through a building, to see something, record it digitally, be it photos, video, just write some text into their phone. And that will be captured. And if at that moment in time, they'd like to say, this aligns to um, the windows or this aligns to the... Um, flooring or whatever this the, the set task that they're meant to check out they can do that at that time or they can do it later and it will make it much more convenient and it will encourage them to move towards a digital world what we're trying to not do is give them a set series of tasks that they must follow in a particular order they still need to do all the tasks but they can do it in the order they wish because they are very skilled workers so that's um, the first tool yep and then the second tool will be around um, uh, creation of procedures for handover from one worker to another. So allowing uh, you to very conveniently using your phone or a uh, smart glasses to um, record through videos, images and text, uh, a step-by-step -step procedure and that hand that over to a colleague. Um, I love the idea of that second one. It's something we could benefit from ourselves, actually, uh, within the business. So I might talk to you. I might talk to you offline more about that because actually that's something that, uh, as we're growing, um, any sort of, and and you know, any sort of innovation again, we'll see they will have difficulties in documenting its processes along the way. And generally, when you have an established team, um, they an awful lot is locked within their head, so the handover can be absolutely a nightmare and it's something that we've experienced ourselves so actually we might uh we, we might talk offline about that but actually we might do a show just about that as well because actually it's one of the problems we see time and time again when we go into not just estate agents but definitely the larger agencies um but also some of the departments say in terms of processing new homes um 
and bringing new homes to the market. Actually, this creation of procedures um, and and having that at a state of uh, handover, not necessarily if one person is leaving, but actually as uh, an operation is expanding, they're real pain points for a business. They've been identified as pain points 20 years ago. You know, lots of of um, uh, management consultants have identified that pain point and tried to document it in video scene, but they're still very uh, labor intensive to create those. So actually, I love the idea of a smarter approach to that. So that's that's really interesting. We'll definitely touch on that again. Um, but for now, that's all we've time for. Um, thank you so much to Patrick Lady from Utility AR. Also, thanks to our producer, Katie Tallon, and to the audio team at Hear Me Roar Media. Before we go, just a special word of thanks to our sponsor, PropTech Ireland, for supporting the podcast and making these conversations possible. And finally, thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the PropTech Hot Seat. In the meantime, please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international real estate and construction shows on iPropertyRadio.com. 